the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K Show. Are y'all ready for another week of AK? <laughs> I'm ready to share this week with you guys, in spite of the fact that we had to do a little thing called inflicting self-misery on us by turning the clocks back. And now it's going to get dark at like what feels like noonish today. But you know what? I'm in good spirits because of the way they warned him. They said, oh, Donald Trump, don't you be taking the stand in this trial over in NYC. Oh, you're going to run off at the mouth and hurt yourself. (laughs) It did get indeed spicy over in the courthouse today. Trump did talk, by the way. He did run off a little at the mouth, much to the chagrin of the prosecutors and the lead prosecutor, in fact, who was supposed to be the judge in the case. So much interesting information to bring to you guys about what happened in this New York City courtroom today that we reached out to legal analyst and author John O'Connor, who was actually, I believe, the attorney for Deep Throat back in the Watergate days. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. He'll be here after the first break. Uh, I can't believe it's already been two days since since a bunch of terrorists rattled the cages and attacked the gate of the White House over the weekend in an act of, if, if, if at least an act of aggression, if not war. Nobody's even talking about that today. <laughs> what, a, what a nice benefit for all these indictments against Trump, right? That nobody's even talking today, two days later, three days later, of an insurrection in Washington, D.C. Wow. Yeah, we're going to bring you an update on that. And somebody leaked the Covenant Christian School shooters, you know, the transgender terrorist. Somebody released the transgender manifesto, or did they? Because the Memphis Police Department responded to the alleged leaks that was revealed today by Stephen Crowder, they their response was rather odd. Much to get into tonight. Of course, we want to hear from you. Email me at andreakeshow.com, andreakeshow.com. Don't forget our podcast. You're not going to want to miss any part of tonight's show. But if you do, you can always download the pod. And the guy who's going to make sure the podcast gets up, he also makes sure the wheels just in general stay on the AK show train. Or if you would like to use a little hometown reference, the AK float Mardi Gras crew. It is none other than the spicy, yummy, any day of the week, but especially on Mondays, it's DJ Sesame Broccolini. I love me some Sesame Broccolini. This guy, fiery like a dragon, like a dungeon dragon, high heat, sesame, broccolini. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
It's just so fun. We just have a good time here, don't we, Sesame? Well, I think it's important to balance it out. You know, there's a lot of bad yeah. stuff going on, and so I like to try to keep it light. Just, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just just especially for people, it makes it easier to deal with all of the chaos, you know? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean that I'm not thinking about whether or not, you know, I got enough, uh, you know, in my arsenal here at home, got enough food stacked on the shelves. <laughs> I think it's always good to be a little prepped and a little prepared, but I'm not exactly a prepper because I like to stay focused on the positive. All right. Don't want to go down the rabbit hole of prepping, but if you guys have any ideas for that, by the way, you're welcome to email me at com. You know who might be prepping tonight? in the form of some preparation H is the legal team associated with a $250 million fraud case that Letitia James decided to bring in a courtroom in New York city because they've done everything they could do to try to bring this man down, including a, a snatch and grab of his personal property known as his businesses. And they were just sure that he was just going to self-destruct on the stand today. And that's not exactly how it went. But before we play a little clip from Trump and what he had to say today, I want to play a little bit from uh, Alina Haba, his attorney. She scorched Letitia James on Friday afternoon in the courthouse for being a failed gubernatorial candidate who's nothing but a political climber who couldn't even climb very well because she was trying to get into the governor's mansion. It didn't work. I mean, she just excoriated that woman. So we know she was already stocking up. Letitia James was on Preparation H before today. Um, But it did get ugly in the courtroom. It got ugly because the more Trump talked, the more he destroyed the case being presented against him. So therefore, the more that the dictator Judges are supposed to be equal arbiters. They're supposed to be neutral arbiters of what's happening in the courtroom. They're supposed to be working there on behalf of both the process, both the plaintiff and the defense in order to ensure, particularly that the defendant gets a fair trial, because under our Constitution, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. You are not supposed to have a judge, and his whole role is supposed to ensure that the constitutional processes that are there to protect a government from railroading a U.S. citizen into prison are taking place. That the prosecutor has to owe up, be, be held to the burden of proof, and that the defense, the defense has, has his opportunity to vigorously mount a defense. And today, what we saw, as much as I'm happy to see how Trump just completely destroyed them today, what we saw happening in the United States courtroom was, I mean, to call it a kangaroo court would be kind. It was an abomination, including not just an attempt to silence a witness and not allow him to give testimony. They brought him there, put him on the witness stand so he could do what? Bear witness, give a testimony, answer questions. And when his answers weren't going well, for the prosecutors, they tried to shut him up as if they didn't uh, like to do it in, in room and in court gag order on him as a witness. So much so, I want to play the first clip, which would be second in the stack here, uh, Sesame Broccolini of Alina Haba. I'm not here to hear what he has to say. That was what rang true, loud, and could not have been more honest. The judge actually said today, I'm not here to hear what he has to say. 
<laughs> really? You're not here to hear what a witness has to say? First of all, you're there to oversee a courtroom and a proceeding and to make sure that it follows the Constitution. That's your job. And you trashed it today in attempting to silence a U.S. citizen, one who happens to be a former president of the United States. A claim is being made against him of fraud in a U.S. court that he overvalued properties in the course of getting loans that were paid back to to, uh, the institutions that loaned him the money, and they made no claim against him for any wrongdoing whatsoever. The only wrongdoing by Trump is that he's a threat to the uniparty establishment system, and he's refused to go away. And in the course of it, in the course of, and I've got more I'm going to share with you with, uh, we're going to discuss with with uh, attorney uh, John O'Connor when we come back. But I want to play this second a clip of Alina Haba because she's talking about how every American citizen, regardless of your politics, this should be concerning to you because every American has the right to, to be heard, the right for their, for their day in court under the Constitution. And they have the right to have an attorney acting on their, the reason why attorneys get paid to be their attorney is, is that they're there to enforce upon the court their clients' rights under the law and under the U.S. Constitution. And this judge, in, an, in addition to, to trying to control the outcome, he's already predetermined what the outcome is going to be. And then he proceeded to manage a, that outcome, to try to enforce that outcome, to try to ensure the outcome by silencing a witness. He also tried to silence Donald Trump's attorneys. If you could play the second clip. Everyone has a right in this country to get up and put a defense. I don't care who you are. You have a right to hire a lawyer who can put objections on the record. You have a right to hire a lawyer who can stand up and say something when they see something wrong. But I was told to sit down today. I was yelled at and I've had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table. Let me be very clear. I don't tolerate that in my life. I'm not going to tolerate it here. Nor should she have to. Can you imagine if former President Obama was treated this way in any court? Should have been. Should have been impeached. Should have been all kinds of digging. I I don't even want to go off on that tangent. Let's keep it focused on Trump right now. In fact, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to bring in. Legal analyst and author John O'Connor, he's author of Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. Stay tuned. We'll bring him in to talk about what happened in this New York City courtroom today when we come back. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. At the open of the show in the first segment, we were giving you guys a little bit of a recap of what happened in the New York City courtroom today on the trial uh, brought by Letitia James, New York Attorney General Letitia James, the woman who was on the campaign trail. Uh, saying that uh, she had to push back against a government that was too male, too pale, and too stale. I think that says it all about what her agenda is. Of course, she's a failed gubernatorial candidate. Uh, She's very clear about who she hates in this country. 
and she should have never been. I, I don't know how we've gotten to the place where in the United States of America, where we have attorney uh, attorneys generals uh, campaigning. Uh, not to bring those who've broken the law to justice, but specifically on the purpose of trying to uh, go after in order to persecute and prosecute uh, somebody that she hates, who I guess because he's too male and too pale and what she considers to be stale. So she decided to try to take him down on a $250 million fraud case in which it's a kangaroo court of Trump being railroaded. And when he took the stand today, it was uh, beyond fiery. It was an abomination of, in my opinion, of the law. But I'm not an attorney. And here to bring on for his brilliant political analysis is legal analyst and author John O'Connor. He's author of Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. He is also host of the Mysteries of Watergate podcast. He was an assistant U.S. attorney in Northern California representing the United States in criminal and civil cases. So I think, John O'Connor, you might know a little bit about uh, this type of case. Uh, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Sure, Andrea, yeah. Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about it because I do think it's a very odd and obviously political application of the law in several aspects. Well, let's um, start with the fact that um, I'd like to start. Gosh, I don't even know where to start. I mean, uh how is it even okay, or is there any recourse to stop somebody from saying, "Hey, I'm campaigning here, and my whole purpose of campaigning and 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 it, I'm here to tell you that I'm going to abuse the office of attorney general and and and, and do prosecute." I mean, she basically said she was going to campaign on the idea of prosecutorial misconduct. Let's start there. Well, right, and it's it's really you're talking about Berea, who is Stalin's. Uh, a right-hand man who said, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. And so she, she campaigned on the idea that she was going to go after Trump, which is a very odd application. Does this mean that Trump is the only real estate guy in town who's ever given a optimistic view of the worth of his properties? Remember, the worth of properties are matters of opinion. When, a, when a, uh, an appraiser talks about what a property is worth, he's giving an opinion. And often those opinions diverge quite a bit. So to say that's a matter of fact that you're defrauding somebody, it's one thing to say, you know, you have, uh, you know, you, 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 you own these assets, you don't own them. I mean, that happens. Yeah. Or, or that you don't have a loan and you do have a loan. But these are matters. Uh, number one. And number two, there is no asset-based lender. Uh, and, and we all have asset-based loans. We all have loans on our on our houses and so forth and cars. And what the lender always does is looks to the value of the asset. That's the number one and maybe in most cases the only thing they look to. Uh, you know, there are standard clauses in loans like this, like we want to keep your um, net worth up to a certain amount. And the reason they do that is so that they can yank the loan if the guy's going down the tubes. Uh, but but basically, it's the asset value that counts. So let's start there. I've, I've been to Mar-a-Lago. That place, according to the judge, it should be worth $18 million because uh, it was <laughs> it's appraised. Ridiculous. Way. It's ridiculous. I mean, I'm here in California and a little cottage on the beach here. Uh, or let me give you Diane Feinstein's house, which is... Uh, just uh, on a lagoon, not even on the beach, but on a nice lagoon leading to the beach. 
Well, she's got a nice lot. It's probably a, a sixth of an acre. Okay. And she's got a, a nice house. It's probably 3,000 square feet and she'll sell it for $12 million. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm surrounded by $20 million properties in La Jolla that would probably sell for 500K in, in you know, an Atlanta suburb. And I'm not even kidding you. So, and, but right. let's start there. Let's start there because that was a bone of contention today in the courtroom because um, this, and, and I'm still even confused and I don't want to go too into the weeds and why this is even continuing since he already ruled a summary judgment. He basically said when he took it upon himself to be a, to be a real estate appraiser and decided he was going to devalue Mar-a-Lago down to 18 million. He did that so he could predetermine that Trump committed fraud. That in and of itself, in my opinion, should be grounds for a mistrial, right? That's but right. let's go That's into right because, but, but, Yeah. Go ahead. Now I was just going to say that you you have you have that and one of the things that's going on now is he's going to assess damages. And and or restitution, that is to say. And so he has an expert, the state put on an expert saying, oh, uh, a lender, if a lender really knew how invaluable these things were or not valuable, uh, they would have charged $168 million more in interest. Well, that's completely speculative. The lenders are not on the stand. It's based on these ridiculous um, low valuations of his property. They're more fraudulent than anything Trump did. And and so the question is, something is not you can't have damages unless somebody relies on it. You can't have somebody come in and say, boy, that's what the lender should have done. The lender should have looked at this as a class B loan and should have charged two more points interest. Guess what? The lender didn't. And well, let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. Exactly. I want to because I don't want to have people start getting confused as to what's going on here. Um, there has been no bank that has made any claim of any wrongdoing. They were paid. They got their interest. They got their money. So so what you're telling me right now is that this judge want to recap where we're at. This judge decided based upon zero real estate experience that he was going to undervalue these properties himself with his opinion, just so that he could find Trump committed fraud. And now we're at the penalty phase when nobody has been harmed, including the state. So we don't have any harm here. So that in and of itself to me is grounds for, for a mistrial, I would think, which is one of the things that Trump's team has said they want to do. But I want to stick for, for into what happened in the courtroom today, and then we can, we can continue the discussion sure. down there. Because one of the things that happened in, in, as we're talking about valuations of properties, one of the things that happened today was um, Trump going after the judge. Trump took right. some direct shots at the tr- at the judge. And I thought it was a couple of things I want to say about that. One, one of the exchanges was um, he he was um, he was asked about what does he take personal responsibility for? And he said, well, it, it, I, it, um, I, I'm paraphrasing the question. And his response was something along the lines of, um, I don't remember. It was, lo- well, this is well past the statute of limitations, I guess, for everybody but me, because the judge is going to rule against me anyway. And the judge said, don't, um, you know, is that part of your, he said, is that part of your planned narrative? 
And that, that's a problem for me to me that shows complete bias. Because if you've got a witness on the stand that you feel like is not answering the questions or being combative, then you say, Mr. Trump, would you please answer the question? And, you know, it's a yes or no question. But to attack him in such a manner like that, to, to, um, uh, to me, was a complete tell of how biased he is. I don't know how. Why wouldn't they automatically... Uh, um, and, and then, um, well, before I ask my question, then it goes on and they're talking about the valuations of the properties. And at one point, Trump says it proves that they were undervalued. And that's when the Trump, that's when the judge jumps in and says what, what I quoted Alina Haba, he kept trying to shut Trump up. Trump was talking about the, uh, why he devalued the properties. He actually told them to value them lower, his experts lower than what he wanted them to lower. But it was still to $250 million, And that's when the judge jump, jumps in and basically says, you know, he needs to just answer yes or no. But the whole, if the, we're having a conversation, if the witness is on the stand to talk about valuations of property and he's a real estate expert, why wouldn't he be allowed to answer how these properties are valued? I know it's a long question, but no, no, and and I can respond. I can respond. One of the things you're pointing to is, first of all, as to the narrative, the judge is acting like he's an advocate and not a judge. It's one thing for the other side to say, oh, Trump's just spinning his own narrative. But it's another thing for the judge to say that because it shows that he is biased and he thinks he's putting himself into the corner of the attorney general. He's he's already decided which side he's on. And it's not a good look for a judge to seem that way. Um, But uh, the other thing about it is, is some of these questions were somewhat open-ended, you know, so there were big questions about, you know, whether you thought it was accurate and so forth and so on, whether you thought this valuation was accurate or did you uh, have anything to do with it? Well, those are open-ended and and Trump can, uh, you know, um, ramble a bit because the questions are not tight. Um, So that's one of the issues. But like I say, here's the real problem in this case. The judge is going to try to get Trump. The main remedy in the law is an injunction. If you think somebody's doing something wrong, it's supposed to be an injunction. In appropriate circumstances, you can revoke a license. Now, uh, this is the first time that the Trump organization has had any notice that anybody thinks there's something wrong with what they did. So in normally, like 40 years of business, in like 40 years of business. Right. So you would think somebody would get at least the first warning and say, shape up or we're going to take your license and we'll give you an injunction to not do this anymore. Uh, fine. Now, the other thing that's going to happen is, uh, Andrea, they're going to uh, award 150 to 200 million dollars. in. Well, I, 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 I want to I want st- I, I, to. Can you hold over another segment? Sure. Sure, sure. Okay, because I feel like you're getting a little advanced. I want to go back into what what happened in the court today before you before you pick up where you think this is sure, going in the sure, end. Absolutely, because yep. this judge, uh, I played a clip of Alina Haba. <laughs> she was told to sit down and shut up. She was not allowed to advocate for her client. And then on top of it, this judge leveled the threat against her and against Trump in the courtroom today that was incredibly disturbing to me. And I want to get your take on this. And this is something, it may seem like we're getting too in the weeds in terms of courtroom and legalities today. But let me tell you, America, if they can do this to a former president, they can and will do this to you. Stay tuned. AK. 
dynamite in a dress, or just Andrea Kay. Whatever you call her, she's on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. It really wasn't an episode of L.A. Law today or The Practice, which was one of my favorite shows. Who remembers The Practice from the 90s? That was a great legal show. Um, But it was almost as fascinating and interesting to me because we have a court. We had it in a courtroom today. We had a judge slam slam his hand down on the desk and and uh, or on the podium or whatever you call the the judges whatever and tell a defense attorney's uh, a, a defendant's attorney to sit down basically and shut up and said if you don't control your client i will and leveled a threat against him and that was against a former president of the united states and trump's attorney alina haba said later on in an interview that there has never been a former president dragged into a court at all in fact i'm not sure that this statute or whatever it is they're trying to railroad trump with has been used against anybody because to say this is a victimless crime is to put it mildly. We're continuing our conversation with John O'Connor, legal analyst and author of Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and Began Today's Partisan Advocacy Journalism. Okay, so um, so Alina Haba stands up at one point to file, uh, you know, get an objection on the record. And he, this judge ends up screaming at her, yelling at her, telling her to sit herself down. I I, I mean, have you ever? Well, what was odd about it is, is that even when a court doesn't like a defendant, in fact, usually when the court doesn't and is going to rule against them, one of the things the court usually does is it allows you that person, that party to make all the objections or motions for mistrial or motions for this or that that he or she wants. Why? To, to for the court is protecting its own record to say right. that he he did not unduly restrict the defendants in any way. So here's what he did today. He went way too far. And at one point he told the defense that you cannot make them certain motions. I forget what the motions were. They might have been for a mistrial or we're going to go after the judge's conduct. No, you can't make that motion. Well, even the commentators on CNN said, wow, that is really weird. Uh, you know, how mm-hmm. can somebody preserve their rights if you can't make the motion on the record? And as I say, one of the things lawyers look for is when a judge is granting, is, is allowing one side to make every objection to everything in the world uh, and so forth, and, and is often sustaining the objections, you say, oh, my gosh. The judge is going to rule against that party and wants to look fair so that he can later on on appeal can say, look, I I sustained a lot of their objections. I heard Mm -hmm. everything they had to say, and boy, I helped them out. And you look much more fair when on appeal, one side says, oh, this judge was biased against me. Now what happens is, to a certain degree, at least this morning, Trump, and I don't know that this is a strategy, but it had the effect of baiting the judge into some very uh, unfortunate – Comments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like threatening the the uh, threatening the, the Trump and in his legal team. And here's a legal question for you: If you feel like you know, um, and by the way, what was his big crime today? That he dared to give long-winded answers? Like you know, my gosh, did anybody watch you know the Alec Murdoch trial? I mean, good grief. Um, but you know, um, so that, so because he gave long-winded answers and he wouldn't give yes or no, he threatened him and not just with contempt of court, 
but basically said in, in, in layman's terms, uh, you either get control of my will. And what I'm going to do is basically not l- allow any more testimony or any more evidence to be presented. I'm just going to base my ruling and it's going to be to the worst possible way for Trump. I mean, I, I mean, what kind of North Korea, communist China crap is this dictator trying to pull with that? Well, that's the problem. I mean, he's been baited into, uh, you know, sort of saying, <laughs> I'm going to violate your rights if you keep this up. So that doesn't look good at all. Um, now, what kind of an appellate court are you going to get? My worry here, Andrea, is, is that that because New York is such a blue state, the people on the appeals court are probably all Democrats, too. And you don't know how much they are really party people, uh, you know, owing their allegiance to the Democratic Party. If they are, because a lot of these guys are, well, they're all elected, uh, then, you know, that may be kind of a rough, a rough um, way for Trump to go. I think there are several issues here. Uh, to try to get damages without proof of a victim, number one, uh, to have a retroactive statute of limitations that they they changed the statute just to get mm-hmm. Trump. It was a three year statute. They said, oh, we'll have a six year. So now all of a sudden a claim that is stale, legally stale, they're going to revive as if you put it up on life support. So that's another problem. And they're going to like I say, they're going to get money here with no proof that there are victims. And in order for something to be fraudulent, part of the definition of fraudulent, especially when you talk about damages, it means that somebody relies on the the statement to its detriment and claims damages. You don't have that in this case. And fraud is not just something that's a false statement, in this case, a false opinion. it's, It's something that somebody relies on and it hurts them. Otherwise, in fact, I'm glad you brought that up, because one of the things that Trump brought out in court today was um, to disagree with you a little bit earlier. when we were talking about valuations. He said these kinds of things they rely less on. First of all, he said, if I wanted to overvalue anything, I would have included the Trump brand in my in my valuations. And I did. not He said I would which would have really inflated the value here. Number two, he taught, you know, he proved that he had actually told his experts to to lower some some of the values on some of the properties. And number three, he went into detail in talking about the institutions. What they actually look for is the deal that's at play here. And that's actually true. If you know anything about construction development and I have family in, in, in development, you know, it's not just about the collateral that's being used. Uh, it's about it, it's about what's the deal that's on, on the table here that we're looking at. And what is the what is the perspective, you know, income about from, you know, your prospectus and what you have going on there. Um, so it, it's it, it, it's just astounding to me that we have, and, and my point in all of this is that that's one of the reasons why they had to silence Trump is because him being on the stand today just completely destroyed their case. And then he ha- then supposedly there was a witness that the state brought forward today who basically backtracked and said, no, I never had that conversation with Trump. So at this point, You know, he's probably denying them. I didn't hear that he was denying them a motion. It's probably the motion for mistrial because they deserve a mistrial at this point. How it goes forward, uh, people are thinking that the only hope for that, as well as the Colorado trial, might be. I mean, in fact, the only case it looks like he's doing well at with a decent judge who's actually working as a neutral arbiter is the Florida case. The rest of them will probably rely on the Supreme Court to try to overturn it. Right. And that right. and 
You agree? Yes, I do. And, and actually, the only case where I think he has true legal vulnerability, even though it's it's biased that it's brought against him, but he probably uh, there's probably strong evidence he lied or obstructed in the Mar-a-Lago case. But that's the case that might never get to trial because these other cases are so unwieldy and sprawling and so ridiculous that I think the judge in Florida is going to have to continue that trial till after the election. So that's the one where he really faces what I would say true vulnerability, but just as to a few counts, not as to the classified documents. But the, the, so the, the prosecution in its efforts around the country to try to get to Trump have really buried their lead. They had one bullet that they might have been able to shoot at Trump justifiably, but now they've shot 92 that aren't any good. And so that's what we've got here. And it's a weird deal. I mean, look, even if he's guilty of the obstruction on the Mar-a-Lago stuff, uh, there are extenuating circumstances. That's a probation case where he ought to get Mm -hmm. his hand slapped and get fined a hundred thousand bucks and see you later and don't do this again. Um, But, um, but so, so this is this is what this case should be. It should be about an injunction and uh, give Letitia James some fees and uh, we all go home. But no, they're making a big deal of this and trying to get Trump. See, what they're really trying to do is shut down his business besides the yeah. 200 million or so that they're going to uh, assess in damages, which, by the way, are not damages because they're in, nobody's claiming them as damages and nobody's claiming they've been harmed. So there aren't damages, but they'll assess damages. But more importantly, they'll take away all his business licenses. Now that is, now there is a constitutional provision that most people don't uh, pay attention to. Uh, and it's, and it's in United States forfeiture law. It's usually applied, but justice Ginsburg wrote the opinion, the most recent opinion, it's the excessive fines and penalties clause. You can't uh, come up to somebody who's, you know, for instance, there's one case, I think, where a guy was uh, selling marijuana and, you know, helping to distribute it. And so the government came in and tried to take his car and his bank mm-hmm. account. Well, come on, that's excessive. I mean, this yeah. isn't a mafia guy. This is a guy who's selling marijuana. It's, it's, it's over the top. And here's what's going to happen. They're going to shut down a very valuable business uh, take away all the licenses and get get this guy two hundred dollars a million dollars for what? Uh, and so it's so excessive and so over the top that the beauty of it is it does get to the United States Supreme Court because you have a federal issue there. You see, it's right. not just a state court issue; it's now a federal issue. It's a constitutional right. issue, and there's also a real problem with taking process or taking property without due process when right. there has been no damage. There has been right. no damage you're assessing against them. So there's all kinds of things that are going right. on. Well, John O'Connor, I appreciate you being here tonight. Thank you so much. Love right. talking to you, Andrea. Okay. Thank take you. Take care of yourself. You too. Come back real soon. Take take care as well. Wow. You know, if they're, it, it, there's no end to what the, this left will do to destroy you if you stand in the way of their political agenda. Stay tuned. Andrea K, bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. 
Glad to have you with me. One of the things that we, before the break, we were talking last two segments, we were talking to uh, attorney John O'Connor, who was the attorney for Deep Throat, by the way, many years ago in Watergate. If you missed any of that interview, I, I went longer than I usually do on a legal topic, but I feel like it's so important for you guys to know what's happening in these courtrooms um, because it's coming to us. Just like the Jan 6 defendants, uh, rounding up people, and that's expanding it to include people that were there with the permits and in uh, their peaceful rallies. That's uh, going after people for their uh, free speech, and that's a different way to use the courts on criminal cases. Going after the political opponents to destroy them financially of their business dealings is another avenue of lawfare. And that's one of the reasons why the left was so hysterical last week when Speaker Johnson decided that he, he was going to do the Israel aid paid for by using the IRS. Because there's a reason why they wanted to pay for 87,000 new armed IRS agents. And because they got to destroy us in one way or another, don't they, my dude? Uh, Sesame. Well, yeah, and they're and they're just giving away the game. You know, all of the institutions of power in this country have been hijacked mm-hmm. by these left wing ideologues, and they are making mm-hmm. it known. We've got FBI events where they're not waving the American flag, but they're waving the pride flag. We got, mm-hmm. you know, anti Joe Biden memesters going to prison for making memes about Biden or even Hillary Clinton. There was that one case of that guy just making a meme about her. Um, you can't even mm-hmm. joke about the Clintons without having the FBI throw the book at you. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, everything's on the table. It's, right. uh, it's, been, it's a whole new yeah, game. Incl- it is a whole new game. And uh, the one thing you left out there, speaking of flags, uh, last week we reported on the uh, Muslim, quote, leaders and Arab leaders in the U.S. putting pressure on Joe Biden to, to demand a ceasefire out of Israel if they want to get any more votes from him. So basically, the terrorist consti- constituency uh, here in the U.S., uh, went after Joe Biden, said, we're going to withhold our money, we're going to withhold our votes, and boy, he hopped too, didn't he? He almost immediately called for a ceasefire, a, a pause for humanitarian reasons of Israel, and then launched the National Anti-Islamophobia Program. And did that appease them? Oh, hey, you'll know it didn't. In fact, tens of thousands of pro-Hamas terrorists took to the streets in D.C. over the weekend and were chanting on their way to the White House, were chanting, we don't want no two-state, we don't want no 48. Now, what do you think that means? Oh, 1948, when the state of Israel was established? They pretended that they were marching for peace for Palestinians. Well, yeah, the, the the definition of peace for Palestinians is that Israel no longer exists. Then they show up at the gates of the White House, throwing blood around and messing with the gates of the White House. Can you imagine if those had been wearing MAGA hats? How many of them? How many of them were arrested, Riley, and thrown into a gulag? Uh, by my count, it doesn't look like any, and it's just, it's just. It's not even about a two it's not even about two standards of justice. It's about a new hierarchy of power in this country. Um we've mm-hmm. completely lost it. Our culture gone. Our traditions gone. Our middle class gone. Our borders gone. And you see this throughout the western world now in the US and in Europe where you have these migrants, you know, Muslim young men coming from different countries with much different value systems than we're accustomed to here in Christian America. Um and people are just they will they will eventually realize what they've done, but after it's too late. That's the problem with so many of the progressives today. They don't see how they they make their own bed. They they 
vote for their own ends. They import people who hate them and they don't understand where that leads. Um, because what it leads to is, I don't know if it's going to be another 9-11. I don't want to say it, but this global day of jihad's not going away and there no. is no making a peace deal with it. There is no negotiating with no. that. I don't want some bigger conflict in the Middle East or throughout the world, but sometimes the fight does come to you. I don't know how you can handle this from a government standpoint other than immediately trying to quash Hamas, and that's what we're seeing with the airstrikes. So, Yeah, but the problem with Hamas is it's not just Hamas. You're right. It it's, wasn't. It it's wasn't Hezbollah, Hamas who, it's, it's Al-Qaeda, it's, it's many Al-Qaeda, other groups. It's an ideology it's that doesn't... It's Haram, it's yeah. Islamic Jihad. It's, it, yep. I mean, because basically what it is is an ideology. And the U.S. government was never willing to admit that, including George W. Bush, who proceeded. He's the reason why Rush Limbaugh said they killed us on 9-11 and we've been apologizing to them ever since. What was one of the first things George W. Bush did? Start the refugee program of importing them here. We have invited Islamic terrors, terrorism right into our country and into our schools. All of and right up to the gates of the White House where they stood outside chanting F Joe Biden and Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, the Islamic terror chant. They desecrated memorials. We have invited the we we are infested with terrorists in this country. And either they want to cut our heads off or they want to use the sword to replace the Constitution with the Quran. It's either the sword of Sharia or the, the physical sword. And I don't know whether it's going to be an Islamic attack in the form of a major attack on Disneyland or the Golden Gate or if it's going to be house to house, individual on individual. We won't know because we've been so stupid since 9-11 that we've stopped investigations that could have, for example, when Philip Haney uh, was investigating this it, the after the San Bernardino terrorist attack, he realizes that it could have been stopped if investigations into the mosques had been allowed to continue. He was pulled off the investigations and all of his investigative material was destroyed. The Democrat Party and the Republican establishment has literally partnered with terrorists. And now they are here taking to the streets. And nobody's even talking about it today. Every, the United States is so submissive now that people are acting like it's no big deal. Well, that's, oh, the, that's about- the concerning thing. We've trained and conditioned our own public to be docile so they will accept tyranny and now even conquest. We're not even willing mm-hmm. to fly the American flag on American soil and stand up to people who literally want to wipe America and Israel off of the face of the earth. We're not capable of self-governance. This is exactly what the founding fathers were afraid of. The media, the institutions, schools, they've created weak people who are not willing to fight for their own republic. And now we're losing it. So that's what happens yeah. when you when and it's just sad because some people are seeing it, but they're not standing up. Some people are seeing it. They just don't care. Some people don't see it at all. Um, but it's all ultimately up to us. This is just it's all happening on our dime with our resources on our soil. And at some point we have to decide, are we willing to stand up for it? Are we willing to fight back or not? Well, and, and I have to call out the Republican Party because the Democrats are going to Democrat, right? They're communists who have partnered with the Islamists, Islamists for power. The Republican Party is who I'm angry at today. In fact, I pulled a clip from Marjorie Taylor Greene, and she was I think this was in response to the fact that she has refiled a resolution to censure Rashida Tlaib. We had 22 Republicans that wouldn't even do anything. They wouldn't even censure Rashida Tlaib, let alone remove that terrorist from Congress. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got hour two of tonight's Andrea K. Show. Was the manifesto actually released 
from the Covenant shooter? I believe so. And it's very revealing, which is why they didn't want it revealed. We're going to talk about that next hour. So come on back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.